Well, our title for this afternoon is Too Stressed to be Blessed. I wonder if that rings a bell in your heart. It seems to me that we're living in a world consistently where stress is becoming quite normal. And um, I don't know what the problem is. I'm not a millennial. Uh, I grew up in a world where if you weren't stressed, you weren't blessed. You had to be stretched to your greatest capacity uh, to be considered any value or worth. But actually, I, I wish I could have rethought what I was about to say to you as a title. How about this? How about being too blessed to be stressed? Would that be a better title? Anybody up for that? All those in favor? Okay, that's good. So let's change the title. I don't think we're going to do it on the screen, but you can rewrite it in your heart. Can I ask you a quick question? Have you ever felt that you've had the weight of the world on your shoulders? We've all had seasons, times, and maybe lengthy periods where life has been too much to handle. In fact, somehow we're doing the same things we were doing all along, but suddenly it seems to have a greater impact. And uh, before we know where we are, we're slightly irritable. Anybody have that problem? Perhaps you could nudge the person next to you and say, I think he might be talking to you. Anybody get slightly irritable? Make a little bit grumpy. I hope you weren't thinking of anyone in particular. You were looking at me. <laughs> it's true to say that for all of us, there are times and seasons and perhaps maybe prolonged periods of our lives where everything just seems like too much. It just, it's overwhelming. And sometimes the greatest gift we can give to God is to get out of bed. Do you ever feel like that? Just getting out of bed. That's a good start for some of us. Amen? Amen. Well, in Psalm 46, verse 1, this is what it says to people who feel the weight of that kind of life. It says, God is our refuge and our strength. Notice there, there are two facets to God's character and his invitation. He is our refuge. Now, I find whenever I'm stressed by life, and sometimes it does creep up on me, I'm not necessarily paying attention to the thermometers in my heart and in my life. I have three. One is a spiritual one, the other one is an emotional one, and the one's a physical one. And you know, they're not all full, these tanks, they're not all full at the same time. And sometimes, occasionally, two of them will get quite empty and I'll still be able to carry on. But it's when all three of them start to dip below quarter full that I start to recognize that I'm not the man I want to be. I'm not behaving like I know I can. I'm certainly not living out of my truest identity. I find myself in a place where I think that people are a little bit, well, they're hard work sometimes, aren't they? Look behind you and say, I definitely know he's talking to you. <laughs> and what I do whenever I'm overwhelmed by life is I have a little pastime. I've just, I'm not able to do it here just yet. We've moved, as you know, relocated here a few months ago. But I had, I know you've heard of The Shack, that book, but I have The Shed. <laughs> now, ladies, I know it's a mystery to you. It's as much a mystery to you as handbags are to us. Okay. But I have this little go-to place. They call it the man cave. I just call it the shed. Or I call it the place of silence. <laughs> and I just sit there and contemplate. Now, the trouble with contemplating is things often look worse when you give attention to them. Have you noticed that? Sometimes if I'm busy and I'm preoccupied, I don't realize how bad it's got. 
I often think that sometimes why I don't stay silent in God's presence, because if I ever stop talking, you might tell me something. So I just keep talking and praying and all those things. But I have this go-to place called, not the shack, the shed. And I would sit there. I've had so many encounters with God and myself and maggots and spiders and all kinds of wonderful heavenly creatures have met me in those places. But God is our refuge. It's not a geographical place. It's a spiritual place of rest. God has a provision for all humanity And that is found in relationship and connectivity with him. And he is not confined to a garden shed or a building like this or anywhere for that matter. You can meet with him, connect with him anywhere at any time in every which way possible. Jesus has opened up that privilege for us. Aren't you glad you can go there? I call it my secret place with God. You know, sometimes when people are talking to me or actually maybe sometimes at me, you might find I'm drifting away. It's not that I'm being rude. I'm just finding Jesus because if I don't find him, I won't know how to respond to you. God is our refuge. And there's something about that place in God that strengthens us. It says God is our refuge and our strength. We actually get strengthened by solitude and silence in the presence of God. Now, in the midst of a world where there's so many voices and so many people demanding and requesting and requiring of us certain things, it's going to take a little discipline to be silent. Have you noticed that that's difficult to find silence? Hello? It's really difficult to find silence. And in a city as alive as this and as vibrant as this, there is noise on every facet of our human experience. So God is our refuge and our strength. And look at this. There's another promise to us. An ever-present help in times of trouble. So am I too stressed to be blessed? There's a great question. Or is it possible for me to be too blessed to be stressed? I think my relationship with God is crucial to that second invitation. I want to live out of a place where I'm so blessed, so full of God, so complete in Him that actually some of the difficulties that I face in life don't have the same impact that they used to have upon me. Can anyone say amen to that? So that's our base scripture. We want to be so blessed we can't get stressed. Now, how many of us know that's going to take a little bit of intentionality? We might have to redefine our day-to-day rhythms. Maybe shut out some voices, maybe shut down our own, maybe find some place to find some solitude and silence in the presence of God and allow Him to do what He needs to do with us. I was reading the other day a magazine, and this is something that kind of started and sparked this in me a little bit. It says, apparently we're living in the era of FOMO. Has anybody heard of FOMO? Give me a wave if you've heard of FOMO. It's not the latest trend on Twitter or anything. Who's heard of FOMO? Let me explain what it is in case you don't know what it is. The fear of missing out. If there was to be any kind of facet that marks out the millennial experience, it's the fear of missing out. Any millennials in? You didn't realize this was interactive, did you? Do we have any millennials in? I figure if anyone's going to be sleeping, it's me. It won't be you. Okay, is that all right? Any millennials in? Let's try again. Okay. Apparently, 70% of millennials say that they struggle with FOMO, the fear of missing out. 
And as a result of that fear, they have to keep up with everybody and everything, particularly on social media. That actually is quite remarkable, isn't it? I can't understand the attraction of social media. I'm not that interested in my own life, <laughs> let alone interested in your life, to be fair. And just so we're clear, I just want to be clear because I want to be the biggest dinosaur I can be this afternoon. I really don't care what you're eating. I only care about what I'm eating. <laughs> so if you're posting pictures of food, well, get a life. But social media has become everything to the millennial generation. I feel that my daughter, she's 20, I feel at the end of her fingerprints, her phone is physically attached. I think somehow it's been sewn on. And uh, we're heading off on holiday in a week's time, and I know the biggest question isn't, will the sun be out? What are the beaches like? What's the night like? like if only she would go out, we'd like her to go out. Her biggest question is, is there Wi-Fi? <laughs> is there Wi-Fi? And I feel that we're sharing her with a thousand other people. That her head is consistently distracted by what someone else is doing. And I guarantee you that when we go on holiday, one of her friends will be in a nicer hotel. And there'll be pictures to prove it. And she will remind us consistently that there is something that's not happening to her that has happened to somebody else. There is a definite sense in the millennial world that keeping up with the world around us is the biggest priority to us. Now, here's what happens as a result of that kind of FOMO orientation. People have overbooked their calendars. Amen? Overspent their budget. Overdrawn their credit overcrowded their days, overindulged their lives, overcrowded their minds, overloaded their emotions, overstuffed their mouths, overworked, overworked their bodies. You can clearly see I'm not a millennial. Overindulged on social media, overestimated their strength, overstretched their credit, overvalued the approval of others and overlooked the Lord. And as a result of all of that, people are overburdened, overstressed, overanxious, and clearly overwhelmed. And what's behind all of that? What causes all of that? Overkill. I believe that people are trying to overcompensate for feeling inferior, inadequate, unloved, or unworthy, or even just not measuring up to whatever the ultimate and perfective standard is in the world around us. So how can we move from being overwhelmed to overflowing? That's a great question, isn't it? I'm glad I asked it. I hope you can answer it for me. Let me explain two things that I think need to become apparent to us. They're two mindsets that are diametrically opposed to each other. The first one, and maybe you want to write this down if you're taking notes, is the shortage mindset. The second one is the surplus mindset. Now, whether you can see from the outside, the people around you, the truth is they will either be living with one or other of these mindsets. What is the shortage mindset? The shortage mindset is this, I never have enough, and I never will. <laughs> That's the shortage mindset. I never have enough time, 
I never have enough talent. I never have enough money. I never have enough recognition. I never have enough energy. And they're living from that place of being very conscious about what they lack. And the Bible uses words to describe that kind of mindset. It uses words like lacking, wanting, or need. Now, if I have that kind of mindset, if I have a shortage mindset, I will never feel that I'm able to catch up with everybody else. It'll always look and appear to me that everybody else is living the dream. Everybody else is experiencing life in its fullness, and everybody else's life is moving forward at a far quicker rate than my own. The problem with that kind of mindset is I start to compare myself to other people. Another byproduct of that kind of mindset is I get jealous when other people have what appears to be on social media a much better life. Now, Jane and I have some friends up in Glasgow. Yes, it's true. We're pastors with friends. It is a miracle, I know. And up in Glasgow, as you know, the sun rarely shines. Has anybody been to Glasgow? Give me a wave. Did the sun shine? Did it shine? So people have a lot of holidays. And when we first moved to Glasgow, I, I was convinced the ark would come over the horizon because for 40 days and 40 nights, it rained consistently. Now, Jane and I, we like the sun, so that was a bit of a problem. And uh, we started to ask people, what do you do? Because the weather is a little bit bleak sometimes here. And they said, we go on holidays. And one of our friends, this couple I'm talking about, they have loads of holidays. And I'm really pleased for them. <laughs> I'm so excited about the greatness of their life. And what's made it worse is they've become quite wealthy. I'm really happy for them. <laughs> In fact, may the Lord bless them even more than he currently has. And they post these incredible holidays and experiences on Facebook. And Jane and I really love to enjoy what it is that God is doing in their life. It's just, and often she will say things like this. It's almost a, a comment on somebody else's life. She's saying, doesn't Nairi look young? Now I know what it is. I know what she's not saying. We don't. <laughs> don't they look happy? Because you always post a picture of yourself looking miserable, don't you, on Facebook? Don't they look happy? Haven't they got a blessed life? Look where they're staying. Another cruise. Now, I'm a human being, and so as much as I am pleased for them, I'm slightly concerned for me. <laughs> because maybe without realizing it, I've become a millennial. I feel like I'm missing out on some things. I might have FOMO and not know it. I might need tablets to get over it. I might need counseling to come through it. But I think if we're all honest, sometimes we do view the world from that sense of a shortage mentality. We're always missing out on something. We could have, but we didn't. It's a bit like the television show, and I used to hate this. Come and see what you could have won if you'd won the prize. <laughs> 
Why would you want to? So let's take it to the scriptures because we're not alone in this dilemma. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42 to 44, this is a story that will help us see clearly what a shortage mindset looks like. A man came for Balal Shashai, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Now, Elijah says, give it to the people to eat. And this is the servant's response. It's a shortage mindset. How can I set this before a hundred men, his servant asked. But Elijah said, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. Now we have two people here facing the same problem, but they have a completely different mindset. The servant has a shortage mindset. He's looking at what isn't available. And then you have Elijah, that he has a surplus mindset, and he's looking at the resource that God has made available. Now, a shortage mindset <clears throat> will cause you to always be competitive with other people. It will cause you to always, on the quiet, slightly question the goodness of God if other people get blessed. And here's the result of that kind of thinking. We end up having an overwhelmed life because we're living with the perspective of lack, not with the perspective of plenty. Do you want to know what a surplus mindset looks like? You can talk to me, you know. Oh, thank you, Gordon. You'd like to know. Okay, well, you've hung around, so maybe you can. Surplus mentality. The first thing I'd say about a surplus mentality, that's a pressed down, shaken up, and overflowing kind of perspective on all matters pertaining to life, is that actually it's like God's perspective. You see, we look at lack as a problem, and God looks at lack as an opportunity. You see, we think that if we have everything, we'll be satisfied, and the truth is we can have everything and be less than satisfied, for what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and somehow on the journey lose his own identity, lose his soul? But God, I believe, and I can you know, have a conversation if you want to afterwards, God is drawn not to fullness, he's drawn to emptiness. And he's drawn because he has the capacity to press down, shake up, and overflow in places of that kind of availability. God's mindset is one of surplus. He is exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything and everything we could ask or imagine. And what is the, the kind of main tenet of a surplus mentality is this, is God has more than I'll ever need. If I look at my problems, I recognize I don't have enough. If I look at my God, I recognize that I have more than enough that he has the capacity to bless me beyond even my capacity to receive. And the Bible uses words for that kind of mindset like abundance, abounding, plentiful, bountiful, and more than enough. And a good example for us is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, and I'm sure you know this, but it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to riches, to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. My God will meet all all your needs. So, which is it for you today? 
Do you have a shortage mindset? Are you living always conscious of your problems and your lack and your need and what you're missing out on? Or do you have a surplus mindset? Are you the kind of person that sees a glass and recognizes that it's half full? Are you positive about every situation that you face? Because if you have that kind of mindset, you're well positioned to be blessed of God. God is most definitely surplus, not shortage. And the fruit of a surplus mindset is this, an overwhelming life, sorry, an overflowing life, not an overwhelming life. In Psalm 23, there are only six verses to this psalm, and it's the most incredible psalm because it reveals to us the nature and the character of God. And it starts off with this verse. You'll be very familiar with it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, in relationship with him, I already have enough. I'm satisfied that he's taking care of my needs. But David the psalmist goes on to write something more than that because he wants to demonstrate to us the nature and the character of God more accurately. And in verse 5 he says, My cup will overflow. And now we're moving from just God supplying our needs to God overwhelming us with blessing. And the cup that's on show here is our lives, it's our heart, it's our person, it's the, the, the reality of who we are on a day-to-day basis. Now God doesn't just want to bless you so that you are satisfied. He wants to bless you so you're overwhelmed. He wants your life to be flowing with all that is good about his nature and his character. And Jesus picks up the same theme in John 10.10. He says, I have come that you should have life and life in all its fullness. The heart of God is to make us the kind of people that are living in that surplus surplus mindset, not in the negative. Now, come with me please to John chapter 7, and we're going to read some verses together. John 7 verse 37 to 38 says this, On the last day of the greatest day of the festival, (coughs) Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, and this is his invitation to all of us here today, whether we're the kind of people who are living out of lack or living out of plenty, he says these words. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. What is he inviting us to? He's inviting us to move out of the kind of life that's orientated to lack and to move into a place of relationship with him where the river of God, the blessing of God, and the fullness of God is flowing out of our lives. And the Greek word here that's used for believe, which is the key to us receiving this kind of life, is more than just having a head knowledge or even an agreement that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. It's simply this. It's to believe that we can trust him with every facet of our human experience that God is 1,000% trustworthy with our lives. It means that I can have confidence in my relationship with him that he will give for me all that is necessary to cause my life to live in a full and abundant manner. 
It's the kind of belief that moves from the head and needs to drop 18 inches into the heart where I am so caught up with who God is, I'm actually overwhelmed by his goodness and I'm complete in his supply. Jesus is saying, if you lack anything, if you have a shortage mentality, come to me. If your mentality has robbed you of blessing and fullness, come to me. If you've become wearied by trying to keep up with all that's happening in the world around you, fearing that you might miss out on an opportunity, if you're a FOMO to the core of your being, come to me. If you have an awareness that you have so many problems, difficulties, insufficiencies, and aspects to your character that are broken, don't keep yourself from me. Come to me. Jesus is inviting us to move out of survival into thriving, to move away from living out of lack into a place of abundance. And the key to that overflowing life, <coughs> not an overwhelming life, is obedience to him. You see, because God is good, everything he does in my life and in your life has got to be good for me. I'm going to leave you with this scripture and I want us to think about the invitation attached to it. In Isaiah 48, verses 17 to 18, this is what the Lord would say to us. It, in fact, starts with that. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. And listen to this warning. He says this, if only you had paid attention to my commandments, your peace would have been like a river, your well-being like the waves of a sea. When you do what God asks you to do, you position yourself to receive all that God has for you. And it's not just his hand that blesses our lives, it's his heart. If you're tired of being overwhelmed and you'd like to overflow, then the key to that is relationship with God and indeed obeying what he invites you to do.